Common Knowledge Podcast, just a man doing the best he can with what he got. And I was bruising the internet as one tends to do, as one tends to do, and I ran across an NBC News story. And this story is about Nicole Hannah-Jones making the case for reparations with the 1619 Project series. Now, if you don't know what the 1619 Project is, I highly recommend that you read the book. Also, read some pieces by Tanner Hassey Coates, The Case for Reparations. And there's also like multiple genius black scholars who ah, like adequately lay out the case for reparations and why reparations is needed in America for black Americans. They lay it out perfectly. It's kind of non-debatable at this point. So I'm not going to sit on this podcast and make the case for reparations. There are multiple scholars that can lay it out better than I ever could. Like seriously, if you want to check out some good like lecture and literature, uh, check out Trisha Rose's lectures uh, in Brown University about how structural racism works. Uh, look at some lectures from William A. Daughtery at Duke. I'm sorry, Daughtery. I keep getting that man's name wrong. Read some uh, stuff from him. Like there's a bunch of black scholars out here. Not only black scholars, just a bunch of scholars have done wonderful research on what reparations will look like and why it's needed. Go read their work. And I recommend you read Nicole Hunter-Jones' work, Ta-Nehisi Coates, and a lot of other more read and educated people's opinion on this, and they can lay it out to you, because that's basically where I'm getting my opinions from, to be honest with you. I'm forming my mind, right? So if you don't think reparations are needed, I don't know what my ass can do to get you to think that. That ain't why I'm here. I'm here because the backlash to even mentioning reparations is so damn visceral. (laughs) The hate is so palpable that I have to ask, why do people get so triggered when you make the case for reparations? Now, let me say, NBC News, when they post this story, the comments start flying in. I make it a point to actually read everything before I comment, but that ain't how social media works, guys. Like, in social media, the headline is a news story. And this headline is, Nicole Hannah-Jones makes the case for reparations with the 1619 Project series. I'm willing to bet 45% of the people didn't even read the story. They just saw making the case for reparations and they're like, no, uh-uh, yes or no. Either it's like, yeah, come on, let's do it, make a change. Or they're like, hell no, nah, we can't do that. And for the people who's like, hell no, nah, <laughs> I just wonder why <laughs> they get so triggered. So I'm going to read the story on NBC News so you guys can get a gist of it. And then I'm going to go into the comments I made on this post. So here we go. A little more than three years after the 1619 Project, published in the New York Times Magazine, presenting a provocative examination of the American slave trade and its legacy, Nicole Hannah-Jones would debut her Pulitzer Prize-winning work on Hulu Thursday with a specific goal in mind, to strengthen the case for reparations. We're going to have to fight for equality whether we get reparations or not, she said. But I would rather we're fighting for equality while having gotten some semblance of financial justice for the financial and other crimes that black people have experienced. And let's start right there for a second, because this is undeniable. 
crimes were committed towards black people. Financial crimes, not just financial, physical crimes too, but I think the financial part is often overlooked. Black people were taken advantage of severely, and that needs to be addressed. Like, your strong people who are against reparation will make the argument that we shouldn't do reparations now because that happened a long time ago. So the question I always ask them is, well, do you think we should have did reparations right after the Civil War? And most of them will say, yes, we should have did reparations then. So then my question is, why didn't we do it? <laughs> right? That goes back to the 40 acres and the mule that was proposed, but it never happened. Why? And because that never happened, you still denied all the descendants of slavery with a wealth building mechanism that could have closed up the, um, the wage gap, the racial wage gap. But it didn't happen. And they also have William A. Daughtry. Daughtry? Daughtry? I keep getting this man's name wrong. But William A. Daughtry actually gives his opinions, too, to the NBC News. And let's just read what he said in this story. Because keep in mind, he's an economist who has done the research on this. Like, at Duke right now, who can, like, just speak life to this. So this ain't like just weaning up people out here making this argument, man. These are accomplished, educated people. But continuing with the story. I don't think there's anything else that can be done besides a federal program direct payment to black American descendants of U.S. slavery. Daughtery said, if the focus is on the racial wealth gap as the strongest economic indicator of the cumulative intergenerational effects of white supremacy in the United States, then no, there's nothing that can be done by other entities. Well, there's no other policies besides a direct payment strategy that would truly, truly accomplish that goal. All right, guys, I'm going to be honest. I kind of disagree with that. I don't think direct payments alone would be enough. Me personally, I'm just going to say why I like differentiate from this argument. I think if you made direct payments to black people, that's still not enough. Personally, I think... There's so many systemic things done to harm black people and to prey on black people that money alone is, is not going to be enough. Daughtry estimated that it would cost the federal government between $12 trillion and $14 trillion to pay financial restitution to black American descendants of those enslaved. He notes that black people were excluded from full citizenship in the U.S. at the nation's founding, and it would take an average of $350,000 per person to close the wealth gap for the 40 million descendants alive today. I'm be honest, guys. That's cheap. 12 trillion, 14 trillion, bro. That's the Iraq war. Dead ass. The Iraq war cost us over 20 years, $8 trillion. Now, combine that total with the foreign aid we send to other countries and the foreign aid we're sending to Ukraine right now. That's well over 12 to $14 trillion. You just got to think about it like doing nation building in your own nation. And you got to think about it like nation building because the argument against reparations in most cases is time. Like literally, it's like, yo, that was bad back in slavery, but this ain't slavery no more. Oh, but the effects of slavery are still affecting the descendants of slavery. There is a wealth gap. And if you're really trying to close the wealth gap, you're going to have to invest in black people. 
because black people did the work and had they did the work and was able to actually be involved in these wealth building projects, there wouldn't be a wealth gap. But there's a gap because they was denied full and equal citizenship and protections under the laws. But continuing with the story, the community is owed a debt from the federal government that has never been met over the course of the 157 years since the end of the Civil War. That's not a lot. Daughtry also cited several negative policies like the denial of the 40 acres land grant for black Americans by the government, which returned 400,000 acres of land back to Confederate owners, back to them. And before y'all say that, that's like a redistribution of wealth and they was taking land from white people. Keep in mind, this is during the time the U.S. government was actually giving away free land under the Homestead Act. All you had to do was claim your plot of land and you could have had it. America was giving away land for free, but while they was giving away land for free to white people, they were taking it away from black people. Just making that point. Daughtry also re referenced massacres of black people across the country by white terrorists and the appropriation and seizure of black owned property in the aftermath of the Civil War. That's right. Took black folks land. Just took it. I actually have an ex-girlfriend who's grandfather's land got taken this way like great grandfather land got taken this way yep those practices he said carried on over to discriminatory housing practices against black americans a widening ra racial wealth gap and a pattern of policies that have stunted the financial growth of black americans that's it guys like yo go to nbc and read the whole story they lay it out adequately why reparations is needed why you need it right now the problem is a lot of people ain't trying to hear the argument and most of the folks who commented on nbc news posts on the facebook didn't read these arguments or form their opinions based on these arguments and here's the thing guys i'm going to be honest i make a lot of comments on posts like this and the value add from that is I get content for this podcast. It gives me a look inside what people are thinking. So I love conversating with them. I don't take anything personal. Dead ass. You can call me stupid. You can call me whatever. I, I don't really care, dude. I don't know you. And if we met 9 out of 10, I'm pretty sure you can kick my ass. So <laughs> that being the case, I don't take none of this stuff personal. And I'm pretty good at spotting when I'm talking to a bot pretty good at it however with ai advances now i might need to up my game but i'm pretty sure so i made a comment on this nbc news post i did and here was the comment i made you can go search the nbc news post and you will see marcus l spade johnson and here's my post i said here we go again the argument has been laid out adequately and articulately at this point if you're against reparations just say you don't like black folks it's cool to do nation building in the Middle East, give billions to Ukraine, give tax breaks, free land and money to white Americans because America sees value in that. Just say you don't see value in black Americans and keep it moving. Now, a lot of y'all going to hear that comment and be like, Spade, you was just trying to trigger people. And no, that was not my intentions at all. I'm just speaking the truth. America in general does not see value in black people. 
you invest in things you see value in. We are investing in the Ukrainian war because it's a proxy war and we're trying to take down Russia. We see value in that, so we're giving it money. We gave money to Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, and all those Middle Eastern countries because they had oil fields. We saw value in it. American governments will invest in new stadiums for professional teams, sporting teams, and won't invest in inner city schools because they see more value in professional sports leagues than educating underprivileged black students. We don't see value in general with black Americans. So when you start talking about reparations and investing into black Americans, a lot of people just shut off because they see no value in black Americans. And that's the point I'm making. Just say you don't like black people and you see no value in us. I'm actually cool with it. If you say that, cool. But the thing is, when you say that and you put it out so bluntly, people get triggered and they want to make the, no, that ain't the case. That ain't. But the arguments they throw back at you kind of expose the fact that is what they think, <laughs> right? Like the only thing most people can think to do for black people that will quote unquote help is stricter policing laws. Like that, that is the crux, which goes back to a, like a, a whole bunch of racial tropes and a lot of problematic systemic problems we need to fix in America. But the only thing they can think to do for the black community is policing. And we're going to talk about the Memphis incident later and you see how that's going. But that's what it is. Policing. That's the only thing. Well, we invested in more police. Not in infrastructure, not in like low interest home loans, which were denied to black people. None of that. Just policing. It's just people like to deflect from that. The truth is, you see no value in black people, but you rather deflect and be like, no, that's not it. Then when you put them on the spot and tell them, well, here's some stuff you can do. Like, why don't we get this reparations bill together? No, we can't do that because then people now will be paying for the mistakes of people in the past. And that's a dumbass argument, guys. Let me tell you right now, if your argument against reparations is people now will be paying for mistakes of people in the past, tell me what the hell a bailout is. The U.S. government pays for other people's mistakes all the damn time. Let me read some of the comments I got on this post. Remember, my post was, here we go again. The argument has been laid out adequately and articulately. At this point, if you're against reparations, just say you don't like black folks. It's cool to do nation building in the Middle East and give billions to Ukraine, give tax breaks to the rich, and free land to white folks because America sees value in that. Just say you don't see value in black Americas, Americans and keep it moving. That's my post. The reply I got to the post was from the homie Nate, Nate Bigley. Great name, by the way. Marcus L. Spade Johnson, we do see you as equal. That's why we're not going to shower you with free government money for no reason other than having dark skin. But stuff was systematically done to keep black people down because of their dark skin. So you can hate a group of people because of their dark skin, but you can't help them out because of their dark skin. I, I find that contradictory. And it's not free government money. It's money that was withhold withheld from black people for the work they did. It ain't free. That money is earned. And Nate and I had a good back and forth. And basically the question I was asking him was, what about if instead of cash payments, what about in ways of reparations, 
we redo all the projects that black folks were systematically left out of. Like, we know redlining was a thing. We knew we know black folks was targeted in redlining. So how about we have low interest rate fixed loans for black people for more home home ownership in their neighborhoods? And Nate was like, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Which lets me know that he knows something is wrong, something needs to be done. But when you start talking about cash payments, it kind of turns people off, which I don't know why. If you actually position the word in means of a tax cut, I think a lot more people will actually be on board with it. Because basically reparations can be positioned as a tax cut. Just like we give money to corporations and the rich people and money they don't have to pay, you can select that on my taxes. Like It's an earned tax income. And that's the conundrum you can put the Republican Party in. I, hey, you down for tax cuts? Why don't we give tax cuts to black people? Which would then force them to be like, yeah, it's the black people part I'm not, not down with. Tax cuts are awesome. Just, just not tax cuts to one specific group. And the counterpoint to that is going to be like, well, why should we target one group? Because one group was targeted. And most people are going to agree with that. Yeah, you're right. Black folks was targeted for discrimination. So now, since systematic stuff was done to black people, something systematic has to be done to lift them up, right? You can't burn my house down, then say, okay, I'm sorry, I won't burn your house down again, and then just leave me out in the cold. I still need a house, damn it. Black folks were denied education. So how about we give all the descendants of slaves free education? all the way up to a bachelor's degree. A lot of people would be like, yeah, yeah, that seems fair, right? But when you say cash payment, <laughs> it kind of just really turns people off, which is weird. Now, your argument may be, well, look, Marcus, you didn't earn the money. Yes, but the money you denied my ancestors could have built wealth for me now. See what I'm saying? So it was earned money. It's not like this money is free, dude. No, this is money that's owed to black people and another kind of argument that really shows like how people think of black people and you hear like a lot of black people say this well if reparations are given to black people they're just gonna mess off their money yeah a lot of them will right like yeah but you can't tell somebody how to spend the money you owe them <laughs> but there's gonna be a large group of black people too that use that money to build wealth and close up the racial economic gap wealth gap the next comment I got, Marcus L. Spade Johnson, here we go again. At this point, if you support punishing innocent, well, I'm assuming he meant innocent people, so I'm going to add the people in there. Punishing innocent people who had nothing to do with slavery, then you just serving the prince of the this world. I'm assuming he means Satan. Just say you don't have decency. And that was a weird one for me, right? Like, you may say nobody is alive now that has slaves, but there is an entity that was around back then that we can't hold accountable, and that is the U.S. government. And the U.S. government routinely pays for past mistakes. And you got to really look at this as an investment, a shared cost investment in America. Like the general problem with America is we will invest in businesses, but we won't invest in people. And this is just not black people too. Just people in general, we don't want to invest in them or take any shared costs for education and stuff like that. But you're going to have to do this with black people, right? If you want a more fair and equitable America, that's basically what we do. We do nation building. When we do nation buildings in foreign countries. We take that money 
We give it to Afghanistan, Uzbekistan. They take that money, they repackage it. And some of that money, if the nation isn't corrupt, goes to education and building up that nation. If you're going to do the same thing in America, you should go back to some of the mistakes we did and correct those so it can be a more equitable America. But that's not the argument. It's just like, yo, innocent people, I don't want to pay for that. But once again, I had to pay for people who got a dumbass arm loan. I had to pay for the airlines being bailed out. Not my mistake, but I had to pay for it. So it's kind of a moot point. And the decency thing, the decent thing to do is, hey, man, make everything right. Like, don't you want to make everything right in America? But that ain't the case. You know, because once again, if I was talking about investing in a new football stadium, a lot of people are like, yeah, I see value in that. But once again, when you talk about black people, no value, no value whatsoever. And Keith Hahn, which was like, this is the dumbest comment I ever got. Like, Keith, you are dumb. I generally don't call it out people, but Keith Hahn, Keith Hahn, you're stupid. He said, and maybe the ancestors of those who sold their own into slavery should pay. Keith, you're stupid. You're, you're dumb, Keith. I, I just can't express how stupid you are. We're not talking about the world. We're talking about America. America's responsibility to its American citizens. It's black American citizens. Which goes back to the point that you don't see us as equal Americans. You want my ancestors to pay for slavery. My ancestors. My ancestors should pay for slavery. My, my ancestors. How could my ancestors be involved in the selling of me? If they're my ancestors, Keith, Keith, they're my ancestors. They were enslaved. How are my ancestors going to pay for what was done to them? Stupid, Keith. You are dumb. Like, like Keith, are you saying every black person on the continent of Africa is related? Do you see how stupid you sound, Keith? My ancestors should pay. My ancestors had the atrocities done to them, Keith. Just a dumb comment. Just stupid. Dumb as... Ooh, Keith, you're dumb. My ancestors are dead, Keith. They're dead. How, how are they going to pay? My ancestors are going to pay right now? They're dead, Keith. They're dead. But the U.S. government is still around. We can hold the U.S. government accountable. But even if my ancestors who were enslaved were somehow the blame, they're dead. You're dumb, Keith. Ooh, you're dumb. If you're trying to make a resolution that all the Western African nations should throw something in, say that. But this goes to ignorance because what you don't know, Keith, is Western African nations are actually giving black Americans free citizenship. Ghana is giving black Americans land. Giving them land. Telling them to come home. That's reparations. They are paying, Keith. Right? You don't know that because you don't really care. This is a deflection. You're not trying to make it a fair and equitable America. Basically, you're saying what every person who doesn't value black people say. When y'all gonna leave? When my ancestors helped build this goddamn country, I shouldn't leave. I should get what I'm owed. And so should my ancestors who had atrocities done to them. I cannot express how dumb you are, Keith. Like, seriously, I generally don't do this, but Keith, you're dumb. Do better. But that's not the point you're making. You're trying to deflect and say America shouldn't pay nothing because, quote-unquote, black people sold black people into slavery. 
Not all, man. Keith, be better. Don't be stupid. Stop being stupid. But yeah, there it is, man. But I'm not trying to tell you what to think or how to think, but reparations or a reparation package is something that needs to be done in America to close the gap in wealth, the racial wealth gap, right? Scholars have laid this out, and I find it odd that nobody can debate the topic on the merits. Now, all these scholars, all these economists are giving you the reason why, and the only thing you can say is, it happened a long time ago. That's your only rebuttal, basically. Time. Not that it wasn't bad, not that something needs to be done. Well, it happened a long time ago, so I guess we can't do nothing. When we're bailing out companies all the time now, we're paying for past mistakes now. And that's because you don't see value in black people. Just admit it. Stop hiding. Say it. Yo, check out the new single, Irony, now available on any digital streaming provider. God, just let me kill one. I pay you back in good deeds. Oh, please, just let me see good bleeds. The black of the berry, the black of the burying. The blue of the eyes, the ear of the Aryans. Shotgun carrying. No to the pond. Just look up no DJ L Spade. Spotify, Apple Music. It doesn't matter. YouTube, go listen to it. Appreciate it. Please. So, as most of y'all know, I am from Memphis, Tennessee, and Memphis has been in the news recently because some cops brutally beat and killed a young 29-year-old man, Tyree Nickel, and it's been sparking a lot of outrage around the Mid-South and the United States and the world. I just read a recent BBC article talking about the violence of policing in America in general, but in Memphis in particular, because this is the latest incident this has happened. So I'm not going to like spend too much time on this because I think you guys already know what's going on. And I don't have too much value add to this because the video is there. You can see if you want to watch the video, go out there and watch it. But let me just talk about it a tiny bit. And let me just throw this out here to you guys. And I'm not finna come here and beat my fist on the desk and be like, yes, this has to change. No, but this isn't surprising at all, right? And people are trying to come at this from many different angles. And I think you're really missing the big point. The biggest being that just policing sucks in America, dude. We have this romanticized version of police officers, of them being so virtuous and brave, but the truth of the matter is they're just humans. They're regular dudes. In most cases, they're scared and trying to get home, but like the media has built these guys up through like drag net and shows. We perpetuated this idea that a lot of the folks who get into the police academy are going there for virtuous reasons, when now nah, they're actually just going to get a check, guys. <laughs> they're going to get a check. They're not going in here to make a difference. They're going in here to get this job and make a check, or in some cases, because they want to lower power over people because they have narcissistic personality disorder. And they, they want to just be over people and control people. Like Everybody know that guy in high school, but we like, yeah, this guy's going to be a police officer because he was trying to be in charge of everybody and wanted to feel big. That's a lot of the police officers 
in America. Policing in general sucks. So that's why when the situation in Yavaldi happened, when all those cops were just waiting outside, you had one gunman with an AK and you got like 12 officers outside and nobody's going in because they human, dog. But we, we romanticize these people and, and build them up to like Paul Bunyan-like figures and that ain't the case, bro. They are humans. Policing in America sucks. Policing sucks. I have been to multiple countries. A little humble flex there. I've been to Canada. Been to Japan. Australia. Philippines. Mexico. And in each one of those countries, I've dealt with the police. Each one of them. But only in America do I have kind of the inept thought that, hey, man, these folks are going to kill me. I didn't even have that in the Philippines, man. The cops were super, <laughs> super nice, nice and helpful to me. Like, it was always that tinge in the back of my, my, my head. I could go, go missing because they got a reputation for that. But they were actually super helpful. Matter of fact, they actually drove me to my next location. Super helpful. But only in America, as a black man, do I have the fear of the police abusing their power. And why are they abusing their power? And first, let's look at who are they abusing their power to. Statistically, when a police is a, a policeman or a police person is abusing their power, it is against a person of color in America. And why is that? It's because, in general, America doesn't care about the underserved black and brown population. It, we don't care. That's why they're doing it. They're doing it because they know they can get away with it. They, no way in hell they would have went to Germantown, Carrierville, or Bartlett and treated a white patron like that. I'm telling you, from the area I'm from in Memphis, they wouldn't have done that. You only do that in the urban area where it's majority black so with that in mind, I want you to know that this was a racially motivated killing. They killed Tyree because they could. Because they thought there wouldn't be any retribution for doing this. Right? And I know a lot of y'all going to be like, well, the officers were black. How was it racially? It was racially motivated because they know they could treat a black person like shit. At least that was the thought. And thank God they're being held accountable. Shout out to Shelby County for for holding these officers accountable, but the reason why they did it is because they felt like they can get away with it. And that's something we've been saying about all these police killings of unarmed black people. We try to make it a, a racial thing, and it is. But it ain't just a black and white thing. It's a systemic racism thing. So when we talk about systemic racism, that's what it is. It's baked in the cake. Police officers in America feel like that to keep black people in line, they're going to have to be able to kill them, beat them, and talk to them, and treat them like less than human. That's the standard. That's what we're railing against. We're railing against systemic problems that needs to change. And how do you change that? Well, I've talked about this on previous podcasts, and I'll say it again. You change it by holding the police accountable. You need to get rid of qualified immunity which is an offshoot of the civil rights Jim Crow era when they didn't want officers getting sued for doing the dirt of the United States of America and, and state government. See what I'm saying? Like, it's all racial 
is there, but we don't want to talk about it. Right? The system allows police officers to be black and brown people. So it doesn't matter who you place in the system. The system's going to tell you, hey, man, this is what you do. You treat the white people like this and you treat the black people like this. Because it's always this ethos of you got to treat black people harsh and inhuman to keep us in line. That's the thought. Well, tough love. I got to keep these black people in, in line. Listen to their rap music. Their rap music is all violence, 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 gang, gang, drugs. That's all they do. In order to stay on top of that, we got to harden ourselves. And that's what these officers were doing. These officers were part of an elite gang unit to stop crime in the community. It was called the Scorpion Unit. And look, man, anytime you give somebody with already immense power and authority over people some extra authority and tell them they're special, it's a recipe for disaster, bro. Like, <laughs> it's always a recipe for disaster. Rarely anything good comes out of giving somebody with immense authority more authority. What they say about absolute power corrupts absolutely? That's the thing, right? So right now, people in Memphis are trying to get the Scorpion unit disbanded. And I kind of agree, but the only problem is it's going to be a new unit take their place. Because we look at crime as kind of attached to blackness, right? And that was like part of the uh, argument I had with my homie Jerome on the Deep Dish Conversation podcast, right? It's like we connect criminality to blackness and black folks do that too. It's a systemic thing where all our music's connect to crime, but nobody looks at like the lack of jobs and lack of opportunity, lack of underfunding in comparison to other neighborhoods or the suburbs. Nobody looks at that. They just look at crime and outside influences like music. Like not the lack of jobs, not the lack of public transportation and resources. It's all about the music. And that seeps into all the police departments in America. So that's why when they see a black person, they instantly think, well, I got to put this person in line. And that's where it leads to, you, know, you get some officers beating a young man to death. That's what it is. It's simple, guys. Like, we know every activist never says, like, racism, racism. It's there. But what we say is systemic racism. And you need to change the system. Police reform is the answer. And once again, I'm... In my opinion, the first step is get rid of qualified immunity. Because if police officers know they're going to be held accountable when they do stuff like this, they'll stop doing it. It's a learned behavior. You got to unlearn it, right? And before I go, because I'm not going to take up too much time on this topic, let me just say, I am a firm supporter of the police. I think a strong police department is the structural backbone of any society. Matter of fact, when politicians talk about cutting the police, officer pay like, no, 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 no. Give them folks a raise because we asked you guys to do too much. Dead ass. We asked the police to come up for traffic stops. They gotta be in domestic disputes. They gotta put their life on the line for actual like crime, and we expect them to do everything. They gotta be mediators. A lot of stuff they're not qualified for, and they don't have enough training to do. So you need to take some of the responsibility off these people, train them better, and give these folks more money. Like money ain't the total answer, but if you start offering more money, you probably get some better people, dog. Like 
Dead ass. Money is a factor. Not to mention the mistress these police officers are under, man. Like, yo, take some of the responsibility off these people. Like, dead ass. Stop having these folks write so many damn traffic tickets. Like, like you gotta have other departments that are better equipped to deal with a lot of these situations we're calling the police officers for. The only problem is when you make these new organizations, they try to become the proxy de facto police and start treating their jobs like their police officers and they try to abuse their power too. So it's kind of like this circle, circular firing squad type situation, but something has to be done, right? In my opinion, a surefire way to cut down on some of these poli police incidents is to stop having these folks interact with the public unnecessarily. In the year I lower, 2023, where we got drones and this camera on every corner in Memphis. Every corner. You can't tell me they couldn't have just mailed that guy a ticket. Mail him a ticket. Didn't have to stop him down. You didn't need five cops for that. Just mail the man a ticket. Cut down the interaction of the public and police officers by giving them folks more money and other resources. And to anybody who's looking at the video, because I watched the video, and let me just say something about this, man. The, the way this video release of the beating and killing of this young man was marketed was despicable and disgusting. Like the local and the national news media spend this like a, a exclusive event, like a music video that was coming out. We're going to release the video of this young man being beaten, killed by the police. 7 p.m. Be there. I'm like, yo, yo, yo this can't be it, dog. We're still dehumanizing this guy. Even when we try to hold the government accountable. Because, hey, the police officers are government workers, guys. So, yeah, put that out there. When people be like, keep the government out of our business, that, that kind of includes police officers, too. Just throwing that out there. But when people try to hold the government accountable, even they, they spent that like a, a music video. And that was kind of disgusting. I did not like that at all. Did not like how they did that. But if you watch the video, you will see at one point the young man takes off. He strikes out. He's running. And a lot of people are like, see, he ran. What would you do if you got five officers yelling commands? You're trying to be calm and find out what's going on. You ask, hey, man, what's going on? What you doing? You don't know what's going on. You are complying. But you're talking back. And I want you guys to keep in mind that there's no law against talking back to the police officer and asking what you did wrong. Nothing wrong with that. At all, not illegal, but you got five officers saying they're gonna break your bones, they're gonna get in your shit, they're gonna fuck you up. Their words, not mine. You don't know what's going on, you're trying to find out what's going on. They pull out a taser, start tasing you, and prodding you, kicking you in the head, beating the hell out of you. Still ain't told you what you did wrong, by the way. Just telling you. Multiple commands, conflicting commands, too, because I was listening to the video. I'm like, damn, man, I don't know what I would do in this situation. They basically told dudes to sit down and stand up at the same time. Lay down. Turn over here. Get your hands behind your back. It's like, yo, but who am I listening to? Who's in control? I got five dudes yelling at me with guns. Who do I listen to, dog? Like, dead ass. This can't be part of police training. Who was the point? Who was the guy in charge? That was just five dudes. Who's in this anti-gang unit acting like a gang, overpowering a guy and beating his ass. 
So if you're in that situation, what would you do? If I saw an open, I would have struck out too, dog. Would have ran. Because at this point, I'm already thinking they're going to kill me. What I got to lose? Seriously, what I got to lose? They tasing me. They kicking my ass. I still don't know what I did. If I got to open, I'm striking, bro. Seriously, would you not? You getting fucked up. You getting beat up in a world where serial killers who kill black patriots at churches can go get Burger King and somehow get into custody safe. This one black guy getting his ass kicked by the police officers and y'all expect him to just sit there. Nah, I would have ran too. It's just this high expectation of black people to just, no, don't, don't do anything. Don't you dare try to save your life. Self-preservation is not supposed to kick in. You should have complied. And that's what it's always about, man. These guys was on a power trip. They wanted to do to comply. The first goal was, hey, man, comply. Comply. The hell with your rights. You getting to the bottom of why you getting stopped. Comply. Comply. Listen to me. Obey me. Power trip, dude. And that got to stop. That's why we need systemic change. And I will say for the third time, which I will keep beating this drum, we need to get rid of qualified immunity. This is so similar to the lynching of Ronald Green in Louisiana. Like you, you got all these cases that are so similar that are the same. Like in the Ronald Green case, they took him out the car on a traffic stop. Multiple officers. I think it was five in that one too. Five officers. Take him out. Beat the hell out of him. Drag him on the street. He gets to the hospital. They put in a police report. He fell. Or he was in a car accident. Right? Why is this a problem? The same pattern. This goes all the way back to Rodney King. The same pattern keeps happening and happening. Why? Because there's a systemic problem. It doesn't matter you plug in a white cop an Asian cop, a black cop, or any cop. This is the system. This is what they do. This is allowed. That's why you need change. So, what I'm asking everybody to do, because this needs to happen on the federal level, level. Like, the states have proven that they're not, they can't be held accountable. Like, they're not going to do anything. And shout out to Shelby County for actually looking at the video and holding these police officers accountable. That's a good step. But I'm talking about the United States as a whole. We can't be trusted. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act never got passed, never got signed into law. And it's mainly because it had no Republican support. None whatsoever. So if you're from a red state like me, call your congressman, call your senator, get on their ass, hit up Marsha Blackburn. Let her know how you feel, dude. Ask her where she stands on this. Yes, Marsha, what, what do you think about this? Are you for this? If not, what are your solutions? How do you propose we handle this? Start putting the pressure on your political party, your affiliation. Whoever is your elected official, write them. If you go to www.congress.gov, they have a finder. You can find out who is your representative they have a representative finder plug in your zip code your address they'll tell you who's representing you write them a letter 
Call them. Send them an email. Worry their ass. They are public servants. Time for them to start serving the public. The very least they can do. The very least is reintroduce the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And this time pass it. Because I think we all agree something needs to be done. So make these folks do something. Federally. Yo, if you like the Common Knowledge Podcast, check out the Random Show. Hosted with me and the homie, Alex Lex Caliber Hunter. On the Random Show, we talk about random shit. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. At random. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B. Random. DJ L. Spade here asking you to humbly take the time out your busy day and listen to my new single, Lost Boys. And while you're at it, why not listen to some other fine music produced by your boy DJ L. Spade on every DSP? Appreciate it, guys. Peace.